Hi everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of The Freel Thing with me, Greg Freel. Alright folks, I have a special guest joining me today, a guy who I've known for four, four, four years. Four, four, four years. years. Feels was, longer though. I was actually, yeah, it feels a lot, <laughs> yeah. a lot longer. I was actually trying to think, I was trying to think where we actually met. Well, I think we met properly at a gig that That's we did. possible. Anyway, my my guest, I shall actually properly introduce well, you, okay. is Scott Cuthbertson, Scotland's magician. Um, now, be- before we kind of get into where and uh, and how we actually met in the first place, go a quick 30 seconds of who you are and what you're about. Well, I am a professional magician. I've been a professional magician now for 20 years, working mainly in corporate, trying to entertain people and uh, give people a really good time at dinners and awards nights and trade shows and things like that. Mm-hmm. Using magic as an entertainment, much as you entertain people through music, I mm-hmm. try to entertain people through magic. Indeed. Um, and yeah, where the hell was it we met? I'm trying to think. We did, we did an event because it was the first time I'd seen you do your... Team building sing along your team building right when you got a room now I, I, I was on before you mm-hmm. and they were quite rowdy yeah because there's a little bit of um, alcohol had been consumed I believe That's distinctly possible and they were quite rowdy when I was on and I'm thinking you're going to get them to form a chorus mm-hmm. and you did Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a real fact. It was the first time I'd seen you do it, and it was it was a really cool. Oh, I think I remember what this is. I'm not actually going to mention it by name, but yeah, yeah, I was trying not to. You see, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, I remember that. Yeah, that was a while ago. It oh, was a while ago. My God, yeah, uh, and that was quite a ready thing. Yeah, it was one of those things where I was asked to do it, and I'm kind of like, this is not the best place or time to do this. One of the things, in, which I'm sure you will completely agree with, is that. You never ever want to be competing with food or drink. Oh, absolutely not! Absolutely um, not. And as soon as it becomes that, can you can you just do a thing like, you know, between courses or something like that? You're like, no, no, I won't, because they hate you. You're the person, yeah, person that is preventing them from eating mm-hmm. or drinking. Well, it's like when I'm working, uh, I do a lot of dinners, and the one thing I tell the client is I can't perform when there's food down. Yeah, because I can't compete with that. No. So as soon as food comes on, I got to step away for a little while, and then wandering room waiting for them to clear tables so yeah. I can get back in again. Yeah. But uh, no, that was a, it. Was a really fun night. They were very rowdy, but mm. really good audience. Yeah. At yeah, the same yeah, time. Yeah. Um, so let's take it back, way, way back. Travel back in time, um, and as I said to you before, the sort of superhero origin story of how you got started years and years ago. Um, whenever you first got the, the bug well, about getting into magic. Here's the, I don't actually remember when the bug hit because I was very young and I love watching magic in TV mm-hmm. and I have this memory of watching uh, most probably in the Paul Daniels magic show yeah. or something like that of a magician and what he was doing is producing doves from handkerchiefs and things yeah. and in my little brain I was imagining this this cage full of doves in the dressing room and one time they were disappearing from there right. and appearing on stage and I okay. just I have that real memory of that um, so I was always into magic I remember you, do you remember Eric Geller? of course yeah. doing the spoon mm-hmm. bending yeah, so I yeah. watched him thinking that, and stared at spoons for ages trying mm-hmm. to make him to bend and uh, then I went, we were on holiday mm-hmm. when I was seven uh, the Brody Ferry Hotel in Bournemouth. That's how much I remember this because right, I remember yeah. the hotel, and there was a magician came in to do the adult entertainment evening. When I say adult, I mean grown ups, not blue or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because there was only kiddie in the place, I got pulled up to help. Of course. And of course, the tricks went wrong. But when we waved the magic wand, it all went right. Right. And it was a real. It, 
it was real magic being there and doing it and uh, it's also when the ego started mm-hmm. because I was known as Scott from Scotland for the rest of the holiday okay. when we were there people were like, oh, Scott from Scotland uh, so, so it then was, it's like oh this is drawing attention to it me it is I quite like that mm-hmm. so um, from then on it was magic sets and tricks for birthdays and Christmas yeah. and uh, the local library had books and card tricks which I borrowed over Can and over you remember the first magic trick you learned funnily enough I, um, I still carry it about with me oh really is a little thing with little white plastic kind of like paddles like mini oars okay and they have spots that appear and disappear and multiply and things like that and right. what I loved about it was it, it wasn't a trick that worked itself okay so it was a start of slight hand you and have having to, to yeah. do so to manipulate to things yeah. Yeah. yeah and I loved that and I actually still carry it around so if mm-hmm. somebody says to me at a gig what's the first trick you ever learned mm-hmm. ah well you know I can show you yeah so um there was that. Uh, I remember I discovered Tam Shepherds. Yes. Well, yeah, the joke shop. When yeah. I got to high school, one of my classmates was a Scottish Young Magician of the Year. Mm-hmm. Who knew there was a thing like that? Mm-hmm. I thought I was the only one doing this. Right. Uh, he introduced me to Tam Shepherds, so that's where the pocket money gets spent. And Understandable. The f- first trick he got in there was a little red hanky that disappears. Right. Okay. And uh, yeah, still do that as well. Now and then. Mm hmm. Um, yeah it's a long time ago though very long time ago it's not that long ago 45 years mm-hmm. so would you have said that, that that first kind of holiday experience would would that have been sort of the the defining moment in terms of bringing think, that yeah I think sort of it, it was a catalyst for because for me magic was a little thing that I did in my room when nobody else was there I never even yeah. thought of performance because at that age it was just something cool yeah, you know, I like watching it on TV. I didn't even consider what I was doing to be real magic because obviously Paul Daniels wouldn't have a little magic set like this. I'd be doing tricks from it. Sure. So I thought I was doing this little cheaty kind of magic right. thing. Yeah, pretend. Pretend. That's what it was, yeah. and I, I like the pretense. Uh, I did that, but when I was on stage with that magician and he mm. made me feel part of the show, he really did. The overwhelmed feeling was that I was doing the magic. Yeah. And that was so important, and it was magic, you know. So now, when I'm out performing, it is real magic, mm-hmm. you know. And people say, "How'd you do that?" I'm just no, it's magic. Just, just believe. Yeah, that's it. End it, of. Yeah. yeah, you know. So when when was? Can you remember the first gig that you did yourself? Yeah, because um, it was White Craig's Tennis Club. Okay. For a little charity event they were doing. See, I joined the there's a local magic club, the Scottish Conjurers Association. Okay. They now meet at the Mask and Puppet Theatre up at the West End. Okay. And uh, they used to do these wee at home nights where they send magicians out. Right. And do little events, and we get a little donation to club that they would use for bringing lectures or mm-hmm. books for the library or things like that. And uh, I went out to do this, the real start of close up magic in Glasgow. Yeah. And. Um, I can even remember one of, the, one of the tricks that I did that I was really proud of where somebody would pick a card and we'd shuffle it into the pack, wrap it with a hanky and they took a little mini Excalibur sword and stuck it through the cards, yeah. through the tissue that was wrapping it and it cut right to where their card was. Mm-hmm. And I was say, uh, yeah. So I remember doing that because uh, I was working with people that were really creating the magic scene mm-hmm. or, or who'd created the magic scene. I mean, there's people here who've had 30-year residencies right. in restaurants in Glasgow. Wow. So that's going back, you know. Mm. Um, so and is that still a thing? Oh yeah, yeah. I've actually covered some residencies from from time right. to time. So it's still happening in some places. So um, yeah, it, it just got that buzz, and it's just something that I found I could do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think magic is you're kind of pretending to be somebody else. 
mm-hmm. you know, because a very famous French magician said, uh, a magician is an, an actor playing the part of a magician. Yeah. And the things we're doing, because you're playing a role, and I was able to do that, because I'm quite a shy person, really, but well, being able I mean, to play the role. M- most people would who know me would not think that about me, mm-hmm. but I'm fairly quiet off stage. And if you see me on stage, it's a completely different thing. Absolutely, and I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. It's you, you know, there's that character that you become when you when you go on stage. Yeah, and that was one of the things because people kept telling me you need to find a character, you need to find a character. Mm-hmm. So I was trying all these different things that been very outlandish, and realised yeah. that actually sometimes best character is just you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's maybe a little caricature of yourself. Yeah, but it's really just you. So. Um, that was it, and, and I started uh, when I left school, and I was like had proper jobs. Mm-hmm. I was doing a little bit of magic on the side, a little bit of close up magic here. I did kids shows. Mm-hmm. I still do kids shows. I really enjoy doing kids shows yeah. as well. Um, what kind of jobs were you doing? Well, I left. I joined uh, Victoria Wine. Okay, we can talk about them because they're not here anymore. Okay, <laughs> that wasn't my fault. Which is funny because I left them to you join. Did, you what? didn't make all the wine disappear. Mm, well, I'd, I'd like to take my work home with me. I'll put it mm-hmm. that way. I left there to, to go to Blockbuster Video, who aren't here anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I left them to go to right, Radio Rentals, which aren't here anymore. Mm-hmm. And then DX Communications, which aren't here anymore. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it's nothing to do with me, I promise. It wasn't me. Not. But, um, so it was a lot of retail and sales. And yeah. I think sales was good because in sales you kind of have targets and you set yourself weekly targets to hit. And I'm yeah. still doing that with the, the business now. Yeah. Yeah. So that was it. So I was in retail and I was doing a bit of magic in the side, never thinking it was something you could do for a living. Yeah. It really didn't. So and what was the point that kind of, you kind of went, you know what, I'm going to really um, go for this? It was my third redundancy <laughs> in a couple of years. Okay. And, um, and here's the thing, this sounds terrible, right? It's not meant to be terrible. But, you know, when you sign on, you, you have to go and do these interviews. And I really wanted to get back and find something. Right. And I came back from an interview as assistant manager in a shoe shop. And I'm not putting that down, right? Mm-hmm. Because as people do that, it's it's great you're doing it. But if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. Well, it was the people that interviewed me. They were so patronizing. Right. And it was just, my heart sank. Mm-hmm. So I came back and said to my wife, you know what? I think I'll just do magic full time. Mm-hmm. And she said, Okay. I was expecting more of a conversation. It actually made it tougher because it was just, okay, go and do it then. Yeah. Now, she was expecting her boy at the time. So the timing of this was just perfect. Perfect, yes. So I spent six months doing a trial trading thing with... um, what my brain's just going absolutely blank to get myself set up so I came out of the job centre mm-hmm. and went on to Business Gateway did six months trial training with Business Gateway yeah. and then kind of went up and that was 20 years ago and and it's gone by it's gone by like, it really has um, and I've been very very fortunate at that time I've done some really really cool things mm-hmm. and had such a good time I, I, I wouldn't change any of it do you have a couple of favourite moments over the years um, one of the the, the real nice things I did was uh, I did um, a charity event and it's become a charity quite close to my heart now that I still do things for and their patron at the time was Jeremy Beadle right and I was down doing some magic Jeremy was a very very into magic mm-hmm. and uh, but he literally cornered me after the gig and said show me that again because he'd never seen it and all I was doing was a thing with a ring and a shoelace and he thought it had to be a special ring he was determined it was a special ring and I said look give me yours I'll do it with yours mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it worked because he phoned me up the next day and said we have got to get together we have got to do stuff mm-hmm. and after like 11 years later knowing him we actually did live TV together Wow. we did the all star talent show on mm-hmm. channel 5 which was um, yeah I'm hoping nobody saw it 
okay yeah it was not not an it was, outstanding success you, no it was we, we had a great time but um no we did very well on it but just live tv i thought it should have been very exciting mm -hmm. and it was a lot of many hours of hanging around for five minutes of panic yeah it felt like yeah and then just as we were about to go on stage he told us it was actually a competition if we won we could come back next week and nobody had told us and we couldn't come back next week because Jeremy did corporate events that I helped him out on mm -hmm. and we had one booked in mm -hmm. so there's no way we could come back and this TV guy said so what do we do and we said we'll, ha we'll have to lose you'll have to make us lose mm -hmm. and with a straight face he said we can't possibly rig a phone and vote <laughs> so we might have started it <laughs> Because then when, when we did the spot in the studio, their, their swingometer, whatever it was, went yeah. off the chart. Yeah. And then when we did the phone and vote later, we were dead last by a long, long, long yeah. way. And there was booing in the audience. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was, that was a good feeling. I mean, I'll never work in TV again, but it was a mm -hmm. really good feeling at the time. So that was, that was really good. Um, but I've worked on high-speed trains, mm -hmm. uh, paddle steam in the Thames. They had to open Tower Bridge for us to go underneath, which that's, is stunning. That's, that's the thing about it, is that it's never the same. It's never the same. You different get locations, completely yeah. different environment, totally different groups of people. Yeah, and it, so you're doing, even though I'm doing kind of the same type of show, it could be two or three nights in a row, yeah. it always ends up being slightly different, the way yeah. the audience react, the way they talk to me. Um, mm -hmm. I spent a little while learning stand-up comedy mm -hmm. so I could be more reactive to people talking to me so it wasn't a heckle anymore yeah. they were just joining in so that I could converse with them rather than try and get defensive Yeah, and uh, so that was Have really Have you ever just well. done stand-up? Yes Yeah? Yeah, yeah uh, Raymond Mearns was my teacher for All right, 10 okay. weeks and uh, we did our little show at the end of the course mm -hmm. and I've never been so scared in my life mm -hmm. that's not true I was actually scared playing my guitar on stage one time that was even scarier right but what was nice is at the end of that Raymond called me and said I've got a comedy club would you come and do your bit mm -hmm. and he paid me so I was a professional stand-up comedian for one night announced my retirement and <laughs> you know did you not enjoy it it, it, see at the end of it when you finish yeah the, yeah it's a huge adrenaline rush mm -hmm. at the end but it is quite scary when you're standing up there and there's no magic tricks in your hand yeah you don't have your no. defense mechanism there yeah. so you're just looking out and looking at these people staring back at you mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean they did laugh I'm not sure well, what they're at me well, but well, you know that's you know, presumably the desired effect <laughs> yeah which yeah. is which was good and I did I got to um, I did my stand up at the Edinburgh Fringe Mm -hmm. as part of a bigger show which was yeah nice as well so I can say I've done the Edinburgh Fringe and retired so that was nice yeah good okay um, so but I mean it's it's an interesting skill to learn though because I mean it, obviously it helps especially with the kind of mag magic that you're doing it's close up and you're, yeah. you're very much on that one-to-one -one well, basis with people as well what I get concerned about the number of magicians who say what do you do when somebody heckles you Mm -hmm. and the normal answer is heckle them back put them down mm -hmm. there's lots of heckler lines and but when I'm working these are guests of my client yes. so I can't do that I can't make them feel bad or make mm -hmm. them feel uncomfortable or embarrass them so learning stand up means that I can now react it's not mm -hmm. scary if they talk to me they are purely just joining in yeah. so I can have a chat with them I can include them in something mm -hmm. and it just becomes part of the show then Yeah, which is nice so rather than trying to have a battle with somebody because mm -hmm. sometimes you know if you're somebody there who is like the life and soul of the party mm -hmm. and then I turn up and it looks like I'm trying to compete with them Yes, and I'm yeah. not but I only have a few minutes to, to do this I think that's the thing you know, whenever you've kind of been entertaining people for years you learn that 
yin and yang about the whole thing. Yeah. That, you know, if somebody is that energy, then I'll pull back. And then if there isn't anybody in the room who is that energy, then I'll be that energy. That's it. You, know? you can't have everybody at the same place. Yeah. Because then it's just a mess. A mess. It is a real yeah. mess. And There's like nothing say, worse than two loudmouths trying to compete yeah. with one another. So let them have their place. Because as soon as they've stopped talking, they'll realise that. You know, either everyone else in the group will look at them and tell them they've embarrassed themselves, mm -hmm. but they'll know that they've had their thing and then they get to carry on. Mm -hmm. And and that's so stand-up comedy help with that. It also helps greatly with uh, when I'm on stage doing like cabaret-type performances. Yeah. Because with uh, when you're doing magic, the first trick of the night is the front row try and disappear in front of you mm -hmm. because they don't want to get picked on. Yes. Now, the thing about magic is it relies on audience participation. It needs people to be there, yeah. to be that the eyes and ears of the audience, as Paul Daniels used to say in his bit. And you have fun. Now, I hope that when I'm doing it, and you've seen me a couple of times doing that, mm -hmm. that when people are up helping me, they are helping me. And they kind of become the star, you know, it's uh, and they're not upset. Or But you can imagine people being worried about being picked on. And being able to stand up means that I can talk to people first. Mm -hmm. and they can get to find out my character my personality and then when I ask them to come up it's a little bit easier Yeah. and I don't ask for volunteers either I just point to somebody and say you'll do mm -hmm. because it's quicker and uh, so it's made it easier to do that and again uh, one of the, the challenges is you, you have to get kind of like engagement with everybody mm -hmm. and the, when you're talking to people like this it's eye contact is your engagement but as you know when you're in a room with lights in your face mm -hmm. and you can't really get that so stand-up also teaches you to be able to engage with people to make it look like you're talking to them without really yeah. it's, it's, it's just better for the two-way conversation kind of thing sure yeah so have you a favourite trick that you kind of like to do um, like there's is there kind of like that old staple that you kind of like oh I have to do yeah, this absolutely know? I mean do you look forward to doing it all the time my favourite one is um, it's very imaginatively called the needle through the balloon trick I've seen you do you this blow a balloon up it's uh -huh. a clear balloon yeah. and you take a very very long needle stick it in the balloon through the balloon and out the other end without the balloon bursting yeah I have no idea how you and know. it is it's a very very old trick so, mm -hmm. I mean it's decades old most of my magic I do is very old magic mm -hmm. because there's nothing new in magic you know Dynamo comes on and he he, he modernises a lot of magic mm -hmm. but it's really these ideas come from before so but that's because it's just a balloon and a needle mm -hmm. you know um, and that's a favourite because I like the way people grimace <laughs> you know yeah. and the thing is as well right? because here's I did it at an outdoor gig mm -hmm. in the end of November on stage at Helensburgh mm -hmm. as part of their Winter Wonderland and what I hadn't anticipated was it was so cold outside that when I blew the balloon up it filled the condensation <laughs> right and right. Uh, and also it was so cold that my hands were shaking right so when I, I kept catching instead of putting the needle into the balloon I just kept scraping it and the balloon burst like twice before I gave up and thought no this isn't going to happen right, today right, right. so some you know but it's fun because it's a physical thing mm -hmm. I have to be absolutely on every time otherwise the trick won't work yeah so and if the trick doesn't work you know what just move on nobody cares what about card tricks is that something that you I do some card tricks as well but I right. think everyone expects it yeah so I try and do different types of things so mm -hmm. I've got pool balls appear in a pack of cards the the cards turn to blocky glass mm -hmm. at the end you know so um, so it's card tricks coins I do stuff with the rubber bands 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen you do the rubber, uh, and I've literally. Yep. Been I remember you uh, right in front of you, going, "Okay, I'm watching this. We I'm, did I'm actually set. videoing this, and I have no idea what." The no, I mean, I've just come back. So I remember mm-hmm. you filming that when yeah. we were sitting in the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it's classic magic that I've learned, but I think the most important thing is it's kind of organic magic as well, because it doesn't need to be anything else involved. Yeah, it's just items, the rubber bands that people have lying around, coins, you know, whatever I'm using, and me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's nothing else to it, which again was important because I think that um, if people are paying for service for me, it should be me providing the service. Yeah, you know, not some toys or mm-hmm. gadgets or things that you can carry around. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's and jazz as well, like straws. You can do things with straws at bars. Yeah, it's just about having fun, making people smile. So I mean, you had Paul Daniels was obviously a, a big influence growing up. Is there? Anybody over the years now, or or somebody now, who you find really really exciting in the, in the yeah. world of magic? A really good friend of mine uh, is in Australia just now. A uh, magician called Jay Scott Berry. Mm-hmm. Jay is so far ahead of other magicians, both in his style, his performance techniques, things like that. He is a master magician, and it was a great privilege to have worked with him over a couple of years uh, we did uh, a couple of shows in Glasgow mm-hmm. and the theatre I opened for him <laughs> you know, right. which was really cool because we, we'd, we'd collaborated for ages but never performed together he emceed a show at the Blackpool's Opera House Yeah, and I was the guy behind writing the material for him when he was on stage so I was oh. doing the production for it there were 3,000 people mm-hmm. for that night and what was interesting was people didn't know I was there right? and so I was sitting in the bar afterwards listening to the comments about the show which is good right. but of course it was one of my biggest letdowns as well because my wife and son were in the audience and I said at the end of the show come around to stage door I'll meet you there come in and meet all the magicians that are taking part in this so um, at the end of the show did some tidying went to stage door opened it there was a huge crowd of people out there who went <gasps> right and then they saw me and went oh <laughs> <laughs> you know and yeah that was <laughs> I had a very similar thing happen when I was um, a friend asked me to come along and take photos of Ronan Keating, who was doing opening a, a charity. Uh, it was actually the um, Children's Hospital, like a uh, hospital radio. Yeah. Um, and the the charity, I, I was doing some stuff for the, like, listen, we, we don't have a photographer, can you come along and just take photos? I'm like, yeah, all right, okay. And at the time, my hair was a, a bit blonder than it is just now. And when I came in, I was of course attempting to look my rock star best of course and there was a whole bunch of Ronan fans who at a distance had that it's a blonde guy is that Ronan and then literally as I got closer they realised it wasn't him and the utter disappointment I actually had to say listen sorry it's not Ronan and they started laughing and I was Mm -hmm. like oh my god I was down in, in Blackpool um, at Hotel Queen's Hotel which is quite near the Pleasure Beach yep. and there's a hotel where at the end of the night all the turns would come off the piers and theatres and come in there for a drink mm-hmm. and I was actually down there uh, and I was there with Beadle for an event I mean uh, Johnny Casson was there because he'd just come off a show an old time comedian yep. Mick Miller again another old time comedian there and Trevor McDonald Oh, right, okay. That's a bit random, but he mm-hmm. was there as well. So we're sitting around this table, <laughs> five mm-hmm. of us, right? Well, four celebrities and me. And somebody came over with a pad of paper and a pen 
and they started one side and we got the autographs came to me she looked at her mate and mate shrugged her shoulders <laughs> gave me the pen so I signed it anyway <laughs> but so these things that well if he's with him he must he be famous must be, yes you yeah. know so that, that have was you ever seen <laughs> the, that thing on there's a page on Facebook the same picture of Trevor McDonald every day no and all it is is the same picture <laughs> of Trevor McDonald every day every day and thousands of people like that picture and just like looking good today sir and all this kind of stuff a ridiculous daft comedy yeah. but that, that totally appeals to me well, well, he was that night because like I said the guys had just come out from the, the end of the piers wherever they're working and come in and Trevor was in a tuxedo mm-hmm. I just it was such a random moment yeah. fact, I think Chubby Brown was there as well all right, but yeah. I didn't recognise him because mm-hmm. obviously he's not suited up sure. he's just this very quiet guy with blonde curly hair yeah and yeah. it wasn't until ages afterwards I realised that you know mm-hmm. kind of who it was, um, but yeah, so that's what I love about what I do. You meet people, you do things, and there's celebrities there, but I don't recognise anybody mm-hmm. at all. You know, Robert Carlyle once asked for my business card. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it was. See, I can beat that. I was in a movie with Robert Carlyle. Oh, for goodness' sake! <laughs> <laughs> that's why you said I mean, bring you, up you Robert totally Carlyle. Yeah, okay. set that up. Yes. Sorry. So tell us more. Um, no, oh, what, oh, when was it? It was a long time ago now. Uh, it was filmed in November, December, nineteen ninety-five, and it was the movie was out January to uh, January nineteen ninety-seven. Um, Carlos Song, and it was filmed in Glasgow, and he falls in love with this Nicaraguan refugee, and it was directed by Ken Loach. Okay, yeah. And uh, I sang two songs in the, in the movie. And it was like ten ten minutes into the movie. You know, the scene starts with with me singing um, and it was one of those things where um, Ken my old friend um, came up to me and oh, oh, a little bit of background here I was playing piano and I was singing live and I thought hold on I don't want to make any mistakes when I'm playing piano because I can't fake the singing bit so I'll pre-record my piano yeah. part and I'll just hit play and I'll, I'll mind the piano part uh-huh. and I can just focus on singing Yeah. so that's what I did and then Ken Loach come, comes up to me and goes Greg because the scene's starting with you in it can you start like about halfway through the song so that you know we're, it's like we're just coming into the, the middle of this performance I'm like yeah yeah sure no problem so I'm literally going because I had you know the 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 track there and I was like counting the number of bars it was going to be to where I could hit play and it was going to start and not sound weird and know what was going on mm-hmm. and I did not I was literally working this out in my head and it was like, and action and I was like okay I think that should be the start of verse three and thankfully it was uh-huh. right um, <laughs> and it was uh, your song by Elton John okay yep And uh, but it, literally it was one of those like you start that mm-hmm. it was um an amazing experience it was a, it was a lot of fun um, and it, probably the most nerve wracking bit though was once the two songs were done the uh, it was a case of they had to record both songs audio wise just so they had that so they could sync it up later if they yeah. needed it and everybody on set was deathly silent while they recorded that and I'm like okay and as you know from being a performer that's a really really weird situation people mm-hmm. aren't normally that quiet no. while you're on stage and looking at you so I'm standing there just doing my thing and I'm like and all I could think of the whole time was okay Greg this is going to be in this movie for the rest of your life <laughs> if it is crap it's always going to be crap so just don't screw up 
and it really really made me focus and I didn't screw up thankfully and um, and I was you know the people gave me a round of applause at the end which was nice and and then uh, Robert Carlyle came up uh, at the end and this is kind of passed into folklore in, in our house <laughs> now that um, whenever you do something that's alright uh, in our house and rather than kind of give you a massive compliment we always just quote Robert Carlyle with what he said to me that day just came up he shook my hand he goes very nice very oh, nice hey and uh, and that, and that was that. But uh, thank you for giving me uh, the opportunity the op- to share the story. story. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any other celebrities you'd like me to drop into the conversation? Uh, we'll find a way to crowbar yeah, in for you. We'll, 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 we'll be fine. At some point, yeah. Um, but see, you were you were talking before about how you were kind of working behind the scenes uh, in terms of the writing side of things yeah. and the, pr- the production side of things. Has that been something that's interested you over the years? I I enjoy it. I, I like um, writing for other people. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, you're you're obviously, I mean, in so many ways, you're a very creative person. I like that's for me. It's the best part of the job. Yeah, because it's that creativeness you've got. But we used to have a touring show called Circus of Illusion, which was uh, myself doing Circus of Illusion. <laughs> Funnily enough, we did have the guy right, yeah. from um, was it X Factor did the voiceover, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So <laughs> it was it was really cheesy, but it was like a Las Vegas style review yeah. illusion show, and there was a cast of four and Elvis, of course, right? No, but naturally, mm-hmm. and things to be honest, it doesn't really look a lot like Elvis, but they very rarely do. The voice was just incredible, mm-hmm. and. We had to close the first half with them because we couldn't follow. Work with Elvis. Oh, here we go. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Never happened. Knew that was coming. Yeah. So, uh, but quite a chunk of it was I was rewriting what we were doing. Right, right. And the the purpose of me rewriting it was because I was in stage an awful lot. Yeah. And I was trying to write it so it didn't have to be in stage as much. Oh, right, okay. Now you know because it's a, it was a two hour show, and mm-hmm. I was on because the a other long performer. Time didn't speak he did okay. a lot of the, the magic to music kind of thing and I was the one mm. doing sort of the, the chatting to the audience type of thing and it was a long show I mean it yeah. went in very fast but I enjoyed doing it but I like the production and the writing side because we, we had a, a classic piece of magic where you rip up a newspaper mm-hmm. and then it comes back in one piece yeah but the thing with that is if you want it in one piece why would you rip it up Mm-hmm. Right, so that's why I, I overthink things long, and the logic wasn't quite there. And we wanted to do this. It's just a classic piece of magic to win. So, how do you have a good reason to tear up a newspaper and then restore it? What is what would be your motivation for that? Okay. So after pondering it and listening to different types of music, I always work well to music because I think music helps you mm-hmm. to visualize uh, and to time. Yeah. And uh, it hit me all of a sudden. And what we did was we, we had a pretend bus stop. And we had three people come on to different parts of music and started reading the paper. And then, you know, right. you get you always get the really annoying guy who turns up and tries to read the paper over everyone's shoulder. Right. That was me. And what they would do is they'd rip out chunks of paper and hand it to me and storm off in the huff. So when I was the last one at the bus stop, nice. I'd have all these bits of paper yeah. and then restore it to one newspaper for myself. And I just thought... We've got a reason for doing story. it. Yeah, we got a story there. And on the night, or when we went to do it, we didn't have a bus stop. Right. Because we were... Go- you know, the, the last thing in your mind was making a bus stop mm-hmm. when we were putting the show together. And I thought, we don't have a bus stop, but you know what? It's still quite funny. Mm-hmm. And after the show, somebody came out and said, oh, I love the bus stop sketch. And I went, 
so there you go they got the idea behind it, without, it from you know without that kind of visual setting, yeah. yeah the music worked with it because it had four intros so there's two girls and the guy and then me coming on and mm-hmm. you know I really enjoyed playing that part as well yeah because um, you're going from being like the, the the talky part of the show to just being able yeah. to play and, and upset the girls which yeah. was another good part of the show um, you mentioned music yeah um, and over the years you've dipped your toe into broadcasting uh-huh. um, how did you get into that in the first place well it was another area to to make myself better as a performer so I did stand up comedy to learn to talk to a bigger audience um, to communicate without the tricks in my hands and I did radio to see if I could do if I could entertain without anything but a voice yeah so could you hold somebody's attention could you engage with them with just a voice because uh, there's a legend that goes people will only listen to a radio show for 20 minutes at a time right before they either move on do something else mm-hmm. so could you hold somebody's attention for a longer spell than that and that's really why I get into it I only meant to do it for a little while and like 8 years later I'm still mm-hmm. doing radio shows because yeah. I just I just enjoy it but also I mean obviously music is a big part oh of yeah, as well. yeah music always has been a huge yeah. part I'm always I've always got music with me and it's, it's a, v- a wide range of music as well you mm-hmm. know I'm getting right back into Boney M can I say oh, Night Flight to okay. Venus right is one of the I finest I albums expect, I was released. really not expecting no. that see I don't like Night Flight to Venus is one of the finest albums ever ever I'll recorded really, I'll need to check that listen out because it's that opening track where it's got the kind of it's it's an interesting one because a lot of very heavy guitar work in it. Okay. With the, the drums that that followed the change patterns throughout it, mm-hmm. and very little singing. Okay. And then that leads into Rasputin, that everybody knows and bounces up and down to. Which is like one of my favourite songs uh, from my childhood. And so yeah. just go back, dark room, music mm-hmm. up, and listen to it. Um, so anything from that to metal is I listen to a lot of metal, as well. Um, which is obviously what influenced you wanting to play the guitar yes because I just looked at these guys and thought they're really enjoying it yeah they're really enjoying it up there what mm-hmm. they do and it, it seems to be like it's more it's more sincerity to it mm-hmm. because they're up there just pounding this guitar yeah um, so yeah so I, I went and got myself an electric guitar which was mm-hmm. the wrong way to do it because I should start with an acoustic to learn how to play it properly well, all the pens what, what it is you, what you I found to do. a magnificent guitar teacher Mm-hmm. who forgave me for having an electric guitar first. Okay. So he knew what I wanted to do, so he spent time... He teached me some really cool riffs. You know, like Black Sabbath Paranoid, right? That's the thing. You want to play stuff yeah. as soon as possible that mm-hmm. you recognise, and yeah. that's what gives you the bug. And that was it. So you do it, and he taught me that, and he would teach me Queen's Clearwater Revival, Black Moon Rising, you yeah. know, just so many cool things. But at the same time, he was getting me to learn the scales. Mm-hmm. And he was teaching me the wheel of six. He was doing the two, four, five chord progression, yeah, yeah. things like that. So I really, really enjoyed it. And then six weeks in to doing the lessons with him, he said, "I've got. I'm doing a gig in this place next week. Why don't you come and bring a guitar?" Mm-hmm. And, and then you went. Oh he my got God. well. Yeah, I did. But at the same time, thought. Ooh, yeah, at the same time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so when um, we went up, we did Knocking in Heaven's Door, because mm-hmm. it's four chords. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was it was tough. G, D, A minor. Uh, you know what? I have no <laughs> idea. No, I didn't think we did that, because he made it easier for me oh, okay. in the sequence we had. G, D, C. Although G, D, A minor seems a lot easier compared right. to what I was doing, right? <laughs> Got to be honest. Like, there, was a, there was a big C and a little C right, okay. in the way I did it. <laughs> but the thing is, he was playing electric guitar, and I couldn't hear myself on the acoustic yeah. 
Sure. Because it was coming through the amps, but there was no monitors or anything for me to hear. So my tempo is a wee bit at the start. That's always the worst. And and I was waiting for his um, girlfriend was singing backing, and I was trying to time it to her backing vocals Mm -hmm. after that. Apparently, after a minute or so, I calmed down and got into it. Yeah. But the sweat... I mean that is the toughest thing I've ever done because that was a paid gig for him. That wasn't an open night. Yeah, right. And he was, and then he. he and you he don't int- want to be the guy that ruins. No, that, he yeah. introduced me as I've got a great guitar player here tonight. I thought like, I wondered who it was. Uh-huh. It was me. <laughs> You're looking behind you. But what was really sweet is at the end I did it and I came down like I said there was sweat hammering off me, and this guy comes up and says Scott, oh, we've got a band and we practice we play down the road. Yeah. If you want to come down and join us. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you know those four chords? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all I've got. And he said, that's fine. Yeah. Which was great. You know, and I've got another, there's another great band called Psycho Babe, mm-hmm. who are down there, sure. And they do like um, heavy rock versions of ABBA tracks and yeah. things like that. And they took me in the studios and let me play with them. Doing Only Want to Be With You, the old tourists. All right, yeah. And uh, doing just... Uh, power chords through that was mm-hmm. fantastic in the studio with a full band playing mm-hmm. my guitar no it's the adrenaline rush it is yeah. and it was such good fun because even though I'm not I'm not that good really I'm not that good mm-hmm. but when it's disguised by everybody else playing and you can just get and you stop worrying about what you sound like and just enjoy yourself just enjoy it and yeah. enjoy the moment the only thing I don't have is a recording from it that would be really mm-hmm. cool yeah but and I'm going to make sure he listens to this right because he did say they were going to um, go and record an album and I would get a call to go and add some guitar stuff to it. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That so, has to uh, happen. Yeah, that has to happen. It has to happen. Mm-hmm. He said it, so it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. So what's happening um, currently with Magic? And, and where do you see that kind of going over the next, say, couple of years? Well, what I'm trying to do, like I say, I, I, I work a lot of trade shows for companies where yeah. I, I'm on the stand representing the company and I create Magic based around the product. Right, so it's I very love bespoke that. for the, it, the it's, it's very creative, and I enjoy doing it. I have to do a lot of research, and it works really well. I'm really looking to expand on that. Yeah. Um, I've done a lot of um, cool things over the years, mm-hmm. and I think now it's a case of, you know, I don't want to ever have a proper job. Of course. Not ready to Why retire yet. I know, and by the way, what is a proper job anyway? Yeah. But I'm, done, I'm not ready to retire yet, so it's reinventing. So I've, the website has had a rebrand. Yeah, you know um, all my leaflets business cards I've had the rebrand as well yeah. so you try and rebrand yourself uh, once in a while and basically my thing now is just keep having fun Yeah, because I really enjoy what I do see sometimes it's like with any business you can have days where it's a bit more stressful things oh, yeah, happening sure, yeah. but see the moment you're on stage yeah, and everything else. everything else goes away. Yeah. So I've got some holiday park gigs coming up as well, which are really cool because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people in those rooms all looking at me. <laughs> it's a good yeah. thing. I think that's a good thing. And they're in the mood doing holiday, yeah. so you can have a laugh with they're, them. They're and the right there's no pressure, yeah. and there's no, it's none of this act as known mm-hmm. where they're expect they know what you're going to do. They just say, Scott, come along and do something, mm-hmm. which is is great. Um, so it's basically a case of keep doing what I'm doing, have fun, um, but try and get more creative yeah. you know try and a lot of magicians go down the road of actually creating magic for other people right and whereas I can I've written routines for other people I've done helping with the production of the shows but I've never actually really created okay. the magic um, so maybe that's something else we can have a look at mm-hmm. um, okay big heavy question Uh-oh. which I ask uh, everybody as I think you're aware um, 
many years from now, whenever you're no longer with us, what would you like your legacy to be? Whether that's with your family or uh, uh-huh. on a personal level or on a professional level. Um, what I'd like is for, you know, when people mention me, say, remember, Scott, he was a fun guy. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, yeah. I'd be happy with that. Yeah. You know, I'm not looking for, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't need to be legend status or anything mm-hmm. like that. I just, you know, as long as people remember he's a fun guy, that'll do. Yeah. So, Scott, um, where can people find out more about you? Well, we have the website, which is very easy. It's Facebook is just facebook.com forward slash scotlandsmagician. I try and keep this easy for everybody. Yes. That one's more up to date with where I'm actually at at the moment. So you can see what's happening. Um, Any feedback. And, of course, Shadow the Rabbit writes Mm -hmm. a blog. It's not a regular blog because she gets lazy sometimes. So you need to explain this because we haven't actually spoken about this. We've not spoken about Shadow. No, okay, no. Shadow is my rabbit. Okay. Shadow is my magic rabbit who does some shows with me. Not a lot, mm-hmm. but she does some shows with me. She's a very real little rabbit because everyone thinks she's pretend. But um, she's just become such a big part of the show that um, people ask who Shadow is. Okay. whenever I go places so she does write the blog I don't come out of it very well because it's her show and I'm just a driver Okay. if she could learn to drive I wouldn't even have to be there she, isn't, she even has two books in Kindle right so if you go into Kindle and Google and look I was going to Google no you don't go into Kindle and search Shadow the Rabbit Shadow the Rabbit you'll okay. find you'll find her books so yeah but hit scholarsmagician.com find me there and if you want to get in touch and say hi then just drop me an email I'm normally about Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. Greg, thank you so much for inviting. It's been awesome. Excellent. If you'd like to find out more about Freelance Music, we are at Freelance Music on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can check us out on freelancemusic.co.uk.